How many of you guys, this is your first time at one conference? It's your first time. Okay, okay. How many of you guys were here last year at OCC? Oregon Convention Center, sorry. That was a mess. I mean, it was fun because it was big, but it was a mess, man. I hope we don't go back. It was, I'm thankful, but I hope we don't go back. I like it here. This feels right. You know, Josh, it feels right, you know? Oh, okay. Can you close that door for me? If someone's late, we'll all know it. Um, hey, well, my name is, is Trent, and I want to do... I want to do a session called the foundations of youth ministry. And um, my role here is I am the central youth specialist, meaning I am, I work with all of our youth pastors in youth ministry. So we have five campuses. You're sitting in one of them. This is Rocky Butte. We have one in Eugene, Oregon. We have one in Tigard. We have one in downtown. And we have one in Mill Plain. And that's actually my home campus is the Vancouver campus. That's where I attend half the time. And then all the other times I'm at other campuses. So I work with our youth pastors, our youth ministry, do all of our youth events. And so that's my, that's my role. I love it. It's a dream job. And uh, we have youth ministry scaling from one leader and two kids to 50 leaders and 200 kids. So we kind of have a little bit of everything around us and full-time youth pastors, volunteer youth pastors. I've been a volunteer youth pastor, been a part-time youth pastor, been a full-time and a volunteer. So a little bit of everything. Um, what I want to do, I titled this the foundation of youth ministry. Um, and it, I called it part one because there was a part two, but they took part two away and I have to do another session with, with Daryl. So I'm sorry. Hopefully I'll just give you both sessions in 30 seconds. Okay. So part one is character. Part two is, is your spirit, the youth pastor's spirit. And um, and those are just two things that you just, those are going to be the foundation of your youth ministry. And I was going to spend some time to talk about character and really just take where Banning left off um, and just continue into that. Just want to share my story. Um, I am, I'm a pastor's kid. I come from a military ministry family. So we're very focused. We're very dialed in. I can relate to Banning when he's like, dude, I don't have empathy. Like you're a Jesus follower. You should be happy. So I, I'm laughing and it's funny cause I'm the same way. I'm like, just get over yourself and just lead, you know? Um, and so very structured home, very structured, just that's just how I think and very, I'm very predictable. I am not spontaneous. Ask my wife, I'm not spontaneous. Like for me and go to buy like roses is like a big deal. It's like, wow, you broke your routine for me. Yeah. So I'm like bad. Like I'm just super structured. That's just who I am. I loved ministry as a kid. My dad told me growing up, listen, the three men that you're going to listen to in your life are going to be me, your football coach and your, your youth pastor. And I was like, sweet. So super, my world was super simple growing up. It was, what is my coaches telling me to do? What's my dad telling me to do? And what's my youth pastor telling me to do? And, um, so I loved ministry, man. I loved it so much. My dad was at a church for 20 years and went to plant a church. And I was a, at that time, sophomore in high school. And um, I, at that time, I, I felt like I'd pretty, lived a pretty sheltered life. I, I went to public school, but I was, no one really like, 
Like I was the biggest guy. So I was just, I was just super sheltered. Didn't have like a ton of friends. And I was just like pastor's kid. So I, any pastor's kids in here? PKs? Okay. So yeah. So like we just have, we're, we're weird. And I just had a lot of preconceived notions, which I'm going to talk to you uh, about and get through high school. My sophomore year, my dad decides to start his own church. So we go to start a church. And, and one of the voices that he told me uh, hey, I want you to like, li- like listen to everything that he says. And that voice ended up in the church. My dad planting a church, it ended up feeling like a church split. And so, which that's, you know, someone planting a church at your church, that's never fun, but it's just, you just got to go through it. And a guy that I loved, the guy I wanted to be, I wanted to be my youth pastor. I wanted to be him. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to study and stay up late. I wanted to show up early in the church to pray. I like, I wanted, I was weird. Like I wanted that. And then the guy that I wanted to be is trying to tell me, hey, your dad's crazy for starting this church. Don't go with your dad. Stay here. Just crazy stuff is being told to me as this 14, 15 year old kid. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, maybe church isn't full of awesome people. Maybe there's some people who don't really know what's going on. And I was like, all right. And then my dad says like, hey, we're, I want, I don't want you guys to go to the youth ministry because we were going there and people were telling my sisters, your, your parents are crazy. They're going to fail. They're going to make it. You're a 13 year old kid. Like, so we, we, I thought church was just this awesome place. My experience up to this point had literally been perfect. Like, I love this. This is my world. But then it was like this, I got to like see the bride on Monday morning, you know, like, like looks good on Friday night. But then I saw her Monday, like, I was like, oh, the church with no makeup on. Ah, you know, like y'all aren't perfect. I didn't know this, you know, like horrible analogy. But I was just like, I was just like, like, I didn't know there was this ugly side of the church that hurt people. I didn't know churches hurt people. And I was like, and then because I'm a PK, I'm all or nothing. I'm like, well, forget the church. So I went from this is all I want to. I'm never doing this. I'm never, I'm never going to do what that youth pastor did to me. I'm never going to pastor people. I'm never going to raise them up, disciple them, like lead them and be like, you can do what I'm doing and then come at them and, and hurt them. I'm, I'm, I, I can't mentally sleep at night if I'm going to do that. So I'm not going to do that. If that's what pastors do... I'm out. So um, I was on a track to play uh, football, and, and I'm kind of a big guy. So I'm on a track to play sports in college. That gets taken away via injury. My dad says, hey, they're starting this basketball team at PBC. You should think about playing there. And I was like, I don't want to – I definitely don't want to go to Bible college. I definitely don't want to play for a basketball Bible college team. So I was like, you know, and so to me, it was my escape route. I have people who live here in Portland, not people, I have family who live here in Portland that don't like church. So my strategy was, this is my out. I'm going to go to PBC. I'm going to be here. My parents are going to think I'm here, but I got cousins and people here who hate church. They'll understand why I hate church and they'll be like, join the dark side with us. Like, yes, you can stay, live here with us. Yes, we'll feed you. Yes, we'll find you a job. So I'm in this like escape route. I'm trying to get out of church. I encounter a man by the name Doug Lassett. And, and he, he brings me into his office and he's like, hey, you're going to be like my personal usher. You're going to drive me every Wednesday night. At that point, what we did, 
youth on Wednesdays, he would preach here or at a different campus. And then we had two evening services in downtown Portland for Portland State. So that was like a 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. day. And I would spend all that time with Pastor Doug. And he just began to really ask me questions like, like, there's a calling on your life to do this. But I'm like, yo, I'm not the guy. Like, I don't want to be wearing what pastors wear. I don't want to talk like them. I don't want to eat at Applebee's at midnight. Like, I don't... <laughs> Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be on stage and, like, give cheesy church jokes. Like, I don't want, I don't want to go to these conferences and see who's sitting in the front row, who's who, who got a safe seat, who did. I don't want to, like, I, I don't want, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't care about that. And Doug was like, maybe that's why God wants you. Because there are people who want that. There are people who want to sit up front. There are people who want to eat at Applebee's at midnight. There are people who want to be seen as pastor, seen as leader. He's like, what if God wants somebody who isn't anti but isn't like everybody else? Maybe he wants someone different to lead differently. And I was just like, fine, I'll think about it. So he kind of got me from anti to I'll think about it. And then God just got a hold of my heart. I went to PBC for one year. My dad was in year four or five of his church plant, and it was blowing up. And so I was like, hey, dad, I'm here to help. Thinking like, PBC, I'm a pastor's kid. I can help you grow your church. He's like, I need a janitor. And I'm like, all right. So I was a volunteer janitor, and that's where I learned how to build a team, and that's where I learned how to do everything. Um, and then I was like, all right, dad, like I've proved myself as a janitor. He's like, I need someone to do my PowerPoint. So I'm like, okay, click, you know, click, you know, do graphics and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm at PBC 0708, go back and then um, get married in 2011. My beautiful wife just walked in. She's right there. Um, Maddie and get married in uh, 2011, youth ministry, become youth pastors in 2012. Took over the youth ministry. There's 40, 50 kids. Over the next year, it grows to 140, 150-ish kids. Um, and do that for four years. Then, sore spot in my heart, and no offense if you are one, but we had a, a very horrible elder situation. We, our, our church in Idaho was in conversations with City Bible to become a City Bible campus. So there was a lot of conversation back and forth. At the end of the day, we decided it's not the best idea. Well, all the elders were like, well, who's the next lead guy? And one elder was like, I am. And one elder was like, no, I am. And the other, other elder, no, I am. And my dad was like, none of you guys are. My son is the janitor goof idiot. So the elder, I'm just telling you my story so you can kind of just see. The elder over finances took all the money and walked. The elder over groups and pastoral ministry sent an email to everybody in the church saying that my dad was abusive and abused us kids. I'm working on a graphic for my dad's message. My dad walks in the office crying, have I ever abused you? I'm like, you might have called me chubby before playing football. Like, I'm like, but I don't think, Dad, you've never, you've never come across, like, I maybe heard my dad yell once, you know? Like, I'm like, no. And 
And the elder takes me to coffee, and he's trained. You need to plant your own church. It'd be bigger than your dad's. It'd be better than your dad's. And I look across the table, and I go, never talk to me again. And I, I didn't know what I was doing in the moment, but I'm like, if you ever, like, don't talk to me, and call my dad, hey, you have an elder telling me to do this. And so I walk into my dad's office. Church has no money. An email's getting sent out, and I just see this deflated. He's discouraged. He flies over here to meet with a man named Pastor Jack Loman. Mark Estes, Pastor Frank DiMazio, what do we do? He said, give God two weeks, and we'll shut the church down, but give God two weeks to do something. Businessman, that two weeks, I say, I'm going to cover your finances, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm writing messages now for my dad because he's just not in a state. He's just discouraged. He's beat up. But um, So I'm writing messages. I'm running groups. I'm running the youth ministry. I'm running everything, Okay become the lead pastor five years ago. I'm a lead pastor for nine months. Long story short, I end up here, become a youth pastor at Mill Plain Campus. I'm there for two and a half years, and now I'm the guy over all youth ministry. Crazy story. What's crazier is from the beginning of that story, high school, that this guy had a on and off addiction to pornography. So the foundation of ministry, which, what does that mean? It means that we, what Pastor Banning said, get aggressive. I've, I, I read, someone posted this, my buddy posted this, and I, I, I took a screenshot of it. He said, he said, if you don't heal from people that have hurt you, you'll bleed on people who haven't cut you. And um, I, you are the foundation of your youth. Yes, Christ is the cornerstone, and you, but your spirit, your tone, your leadership. I had learned these demonic skills, how to mask it. I knew how to manipulate. I knew how to sit on the front row because I'm a PK. I knew how to raise my hands. I knew how to preach. I knew how to do events. I knew how to get people down front and have altar calls but the undercurrent. So on the outside, you saw a youth pastor, but on the inside was a guy trying to not get caught with an addiction. And my wife, worst phone, worst words I ever wanted to hear were, let me see your phone. Like I would shudder and I would act weird because, well, if she finds something, and when it all came to this moment, she's like, hey, hey, let me see your phone. And it wasn't even, I wasn't even being investigated. I just found something. And she didn't let up. What is this? Well, I thought we'd been through this. You've been caught four or five times doing this. What, what is this? And um, everything froze. My whole life froze. And I couldn't hide anymore. I was finally in a church that would, could absorb all of my dysfunction, all of my lying, all of my manipulating, 
all of my isolation that I created. It's my choice to create it. Not, oh, I don't relate with people. Mm -mm. And leaving my wife to carry the weight of family, because you can't lead. You can't be addicted to pornography and lead. The skills set and the, the awareness, the empathy, your, your heart's cold. Your heart's stone. So, so things that are a big deal to your, like, your spouses and leaders around you, they can't, it's impossible for them to be a big deal to you because you can't feel. You've just, you're a robot. You just, you're, you become numb. And so leaving her alone to face and lead our home was tragic. It was tragic. And she should have never had to be in that spot. I created that. So we call campus pastors, Pastor Daryl Corbin, hey. Hey, Trent, how are you? I'm... I'm here. Uh, my wife just caught me at, with pornography on my phone. Oh, we need to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, we do. How is she? Well, not good. Okay, well, Trent, you're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. But we, we now need to have a conversation. And I'm like, I'm done. I was a lead pastor. We sold our house. We gave up all of our stuff. We, we left stuff in Idaho, like every, kitchen tables. Our kitchen table for two years was a card table, like the fold-out leg chair. Like, that was, that was our dining. People would come over for dinner with us. Like, I'm 6'8", yo. Like, my thighs are in the edge of the chair. Like, <laughs> we had nothing. I was like, I was like, dude, like, this can't be it, but if this is it, I created it. So I, we set up a, a, like a, a program with a guy here. His name is Steve Cole. He's my hero. He's not here. He's in uh, Laos now. And um, he pretty much had to undo 15 years of bad theology because the, the enemy would take a truth from scripture and twist it. Just Did God really say that you wouldn't be able to eat from the, did God, he, the enemy through all the pain and all the church and all the, all the Bible and all the blah, 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 blah. I look back on sermons that I preached and I'm like, oh God, I can't believe I said stuff like that because when you don't have character, you have to make up the difference somewhere and the enemy is going to be right there to assist you to give you a lie. And so you'll create a world that you think you're in control. And this is what it was explained to me. So anyways, I start this program. I do it for two months. I figured the program out. I saw it as a system. I, I begin to lie in this, like, rehab therapy thing. Lie my way through it. I get caught again. Christmas break. Looked at pornography again. And... This time, it was like, I, I, I think I'm, before, it was kind of bad. Now this is like, I'm about to lose my wife. I'm about to lose my ministry. 
I'm gonna have to go back to Idaho and be a bum in, on my dad's couch, like, whoa. My wife couldn't even be around me. She had to, the church had to pay for her to have a hotel for three days and Uber her around. Because she was like, I just need away from him. Those three days, I laid on the couch in silence. I didn't have an emotion to cry because I had killed that all by desensitizing myself. So I didn't have the emotion to cry. And I, they, we, we told Pastor Daryl, they bring me to an office. I'm sitting in a room with Mark Estes, Walter Madison, Daryl Corbin. And I said, this is, this is, this is, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have a flip phone for a year. No social media for a year. Still the best year of my life. And you're, you're going to tell you're suspended for two weeks, no pay. You're going to go to Idaho and you're going to tell your parents. You're going to go to Idaho and you're going to tell your sister. You're going to tell your other sister who's here. She just lives in Portland. Um, and you're going to do exactly what we tell you to do. And didn't sleep in the same bed as my wife for a month, month and a half. She just could, she could not be in the same room as me because I built this masquerade of, hey, I'm your husband. But in the same token, I'm going to stab your back if you give me an inch of trust. I created that. So she didn't even want to be in the same room as that. So start the program all over again. It's intense. Go through it. And like, Trent, why are you telling me all this? I'm telling you all this because I want, I want this room to know. And I don't know who is in this room that God wanted in this room. That you can be the central youth pastor at Mana House. And if you need help, you can get help. If I can get help where I sit, running conference, running prime, running summer camp, five campuses. If, I, if I'm not perfect and I can run to a pastor now and say, hey, I need serious help. I'm begging everyone in this room, deal with it now so that you don't bleed on people who didn't cut you. If you're married, I beg you, just say before the 24 hours, I'm going to grab my spouse's hand, look him in the eye and say, I need something. I need to tell you something. And it's, it is terrifying up front. But freedom and family are so much more better and so much more better. It's good English. It's so much better than faking it. And my wife and I are passionate about not just being pastors, being good people. We want to be good people. We see people on YouTube preaching, and we go like, I wonder if they're good people. Like, do they, does he open the door for an older lady walking into the grocery store? Like, would he do that? Or would he see the old lady as in his way because he's a man of God? You know? We're just people, man.
and the, and, and the foundation of your youth ministry is, is Christ is the cornerstone, but your leadership and your spirit, you got to get healed up because you'll bleed on students. You'll bleed on leaders in ways they have, they have an innocence to church and it's not your job to ruin that. Well, watch out because when you hang out with that elder, they're going to say something. They didn't even know that. That wasn't even a part of their like knowledge in life. Well, careful when you talk to the lead pastor because if you talk about this, that data, that information stays between you and lead pastor. And you go to the lead pastor, hey, I have some information. Can we get, can we talk about this? Your peace of mind as a pastor has to be top priority. Peace of mind. You have to feel good in here. Well, I, there's some people on staff we need to have a conversation with because there's just some drama there. Have the conversation. Well, there's a parent that I've agitated. Go and talk. Don't let another night go by where you don't have peace of mind. Ministry's already hard. Ministry's already brutal. I can't be fighting fights for people in my church and having a fight in my own home. I don't have capacity for that. I can't do that. Like, all I wanted to do in this session is just say, hey, here are my scars. Like, church has beat me up, but I've beat me up way more than church could by choosing to stay enslaved to something that almost killed me. My, my, I'm, my big request, my ask, is that if, if you're in a spot and you're dealing with something, tell a spouse don't have a spouse tell your pastor just get it in the light have you ever like flipped up like a log in the woods and seen just the gross stuff that grows in the dark that stuff doesn't grow in the light why because light has a way of killing things that only grow in the dark and that's going to come out in your ministry. We're talking about fruit that remains. We're talking about kingdom impact. We're talking about students walking in your auditoriums and your group that are dealing with an addiction. How are you going to, with authority, say you can be free? If you're enslaved, you're chained to something, hey, you can be free too. Like, it, you're bound by the same thing. You know what I'm saying? The foundation of our youth ministries has to be us being healthy youth pastors. Character and your spirit. The spirit of the youth pastor, the attitude, the God things that God gives you, the God perspectives, the God instincts, the, the God gifting things. That's your spirit. That's God wants to use your spirit to impact a generation. But if, if the housing, your character, is jacked up, then the spirit is going to be jacked up. The only thing, the only two things we take to heaven when we die, Rick Warren says this, the only two things we take to heaven when we die is our character and our spirit. So we have to make those central priority. And if I was a youth pastor, how many of you are under the age of 24? Holy crap. Okay, that's a lot. I shouldn't have said crap. That's not good <laughs> etiquette. Listen, I, I ruined my 20s. 
Was there a ministry? Yes. Were altars full? Yes. Those are gifting. That's all God. That's, it's easy to get kids to an altar. That's easy. We figured that out. But I ruined, was there fruit in my 20s? Yes. Did we have good times in my 20s? Yes. But the theme of my 20s was sin. Not ministry, not freedom, not building a family. It was, it was, it was me having two, two sides to me. Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde. And when you saw Trent at church, he was smiling. He knew what to do. He was up front. He knew how to preach. He knew how to get amens. And, but you don't know what he would be doing that night. You just don't know. That's not right. I hate preaching in front of my wife. And I know she's in the room. You want to know why? Because she can tell when I'm just preaching to get amens because she knows I know how to get them. And everybody, I ask everyone, I don't ask everyone, but some people are like, man, that was so good, that was so good. I'm terrified to hear my wife's feedback on my own speaking because now she knows. She knows when I'm fishing because she'll be like, oh, that's what he used to do. It's terrifying, but it's super healthy. Super healthy. Last message I preached a while back, I mean, not a while back, last week. She came to me. She gave me a big hug and said, I'm so proud of you. I, I could have died right there because I knew I poured it all out and I wanted to make sure I wanted to make sure I poured it all out and then whatever her feedback was, I would adjust to it. And I, I'm thankful that I'd been on this three-year journey so that I could do that so that my wife, who one day couldn't even stand me being in the same room, is now giving me a hug and saying, hey, that was a great message. I'm proud of you. That was, that was exactly what we needed. You just got to know for someone who's been just busted up, busted up and a lot of it being self-inflicted, that was a big deal. And some of you, you are in some of your best leadership development years. And you don't want that to be polluted with sin. I'm begging you. If you came to one conference for this one reason, I'm okay. Banning, he's a great guy. I love that guy. But if you came to sit in this session and go, okay, I'm going to have a conversation, then it was worth it. It was worth it. And tonight we're going to have a great time. Tomorrow morning we're going to have a great time. We're going to take a break here. But my prayer is that you go to a pastor, you go to a parent, and just tell them what you're going through, the fear of being beat up, the fear of being hurt, the fear of being fired. Listen, I, I would rather not work at the church and get a well done, that good and faithful servant, because I got healing, then work at a church living a lie and not get well done, well, well done, that good and faithful servant. You know what I'm saying? So, so as just as leaders, as we're looking at people that we serve and and our teams and students, just let your heart break again and find that soft place in there that goes, I gotta get right. I got. I gotta be. I just gotta be a good guy. I gotta be a good girl. I, not like religious. I gotta be good and like perform, but just genuinely so in love with God that the 
the world doesn't tempt you because you've already are fulfilled and you're full, so you're not hungry for anything else. Is that okay? Can I pray for you? Actually, let's do this because we have time. Do we have any questions? I know we didn't talk youth ministry, but just life, leadership, what? Do we have any questions? Because we do have some time, and then I'll pray for you guys. And Oh, I was expecting like a real question. Um, I mean, that was a real question, but I was thinking like weightier, so caught me by surprise. I love you. Uh, I play defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive guard, offensive tackle, and tight end. Yeah, they tried to, yeah. And then I got hurt, and now I'm worthless on the football field. Yeah. Yes. I dislocated my shoulder and broke my arm. I was really expecting more like character questions, <laughs> but that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 So when I when I went on my journey, you know, Maddie went on her journey too, and she started to talk with Glenda, and so because I had actually ruined some of Maddie's perspective towards the church, because she had picked up some of my pain once again, because I didn't get healing. I bled on someone who didn't even cut me. So, um, so now I can pretty much tell her everything because she's, she's worked at our church. She's worked here, so she knows more. And I actually, because I'm so uh, not good at interpreting by myself, I actually need her as a sounding board. Hey, babe, this is what was said. And she would be like, oh, that's about this. And I'm like, no, it's because he has a motive because he's evil, you know, like, because I'm hurt, you know. So it's like I'm walking around like this all the time. But and she's like, she's like, relax. No, they're just, that's what businesses do. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, so, so for me, you know, in, in my early days, it was like, well, I can't tell Maddie that because she's going to freak out, and I just want my home to be peaceful tonight. Like, I don't have time for another fight. So um, I, in my early days, I would be more insecure. Now I, I trust data I'm given on her system. I actually need her system because it'll help me interpret that data better. So when I go and take that data back into that meeting or back into that conversation, you, you, I ask her all the time, babe, how should I think about this? What should I do with this? So I actually give her more now, um, but she's had to grow up a lot, um, and and um, not in like in a bad way. Like you need to grow up. She had to like, she had to tell me the information in a way that allowed me to use it. And once we've learned that, bro, I tell her everything. Like I like honestly, I'm I'm looking for stuff, and I'm a dude, so I forget. But. Um, if, if you have pastors in your life that are healthy, if she has a leader, she, you know, she had Glenda, who's amazing. And um, so, so she, she was able to, and she learned, this isn't Trent venting. This is Trent taking data that hit his system. And church world is messy. You, you, and there's so much that goes on. Um, now I need, I need to tell her. And if there's something that I feel like I shouldn't tell her, I'll, I have a, a Dylan or a Mark Daniels or a Daryl. But there's, I, I go to her first, and then I go to them because 
Yeah, it's, I just, I can, I can explode and like just all the stuff come out of me. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, it's this one thing. And I'm like, are you sure? It sounds too simple. Like, I'm overthinking it. So, yeah. It's just, it's, it, you, she just has to learn you more and you have to learn her more and get that trust thing to where you can just say everything. Um, wouldn't you say, babe? Like, that's, okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you have your hand up? Yeah. Uh, my question was, how big was that church? Because like, when I think about it, like those elders did not know that your dad thought that you were going to be a leader. And that, to me, that's just like, wow, that is like amazing. I don't think a lot of churches are like that. So I think it's just like, it's so big to get there. Yeah. There is a business side. I agree. I, I One, I 100% agree. Our church was 800 people at the time, so it was a big church. Um, can I pastor that a little bit? Can I put on my pastor hat? Because I get, dude, I get you when I'm like, I hate the business side. Why do I have to like, why do we have to have an accountant? Let's have more pastors to take care of people. Like, I don't want, I don't want to have a lawyer on staff. Like, yeah, so I, I, the, the business side, because there is one Okay, I'm going to get super geek, and then I'm just going to help you. One, for us, to, for us to be considered a 501c3, which is a nonprofit to the state, we have to have religious things, baptisms, baby dedications, and membership. If we have those three things, but to have those things, you have to have a service, and you have to have a structure, and you have to have someone taking care of the money that people tithe. So that requires business like QuickBooks and requires things for you to have business stuff so you can biblically steward what's happening practically businessy. It's more actually still spiritual and Bible. But what I, I totally hear what you're saying in I hate the business side of it, but, but we have to remember that Jesus was a businessman. He was a carpenter. He made furniture for people. So he understands, he understands taxes, he understands authority, he understands team, he understands. So we have to remember Jesus had, a, had an administrative, Jesus was administrative. And, and he, if you look at how he planned earth and created it, systematic process, on this day I'm doing this, on this day I'm doing this, hey at conference, on this day we're doing this. So we're administrative, but when we get in the room, we, we kill it administratively, but when we get in the room, we surrender and then that's where the power happens. Does that make sense? So I want the business side. I'm going to leverage the business side so that, and I'm actually going to use it so that when we get to those spiritual moments, there's actually a better breakthrough because they're administrative. The Holy Spirit fell, right? Jesus said, I want you to go to a set place at a set time. And so they went to the set place at a set time. That's administration. That's business. And God said, the Acts says, when they were all together, in that place, there was a sound. But that sound wouldn't have come if they wouldn't have been administrative. So I hear you, because I, I, dude, I've been there. There's, dude, I sit, I sit in budget meetings, and I am, like, crinkling up my budget things, and I'm just like, why can't we just get kids saved? I hear you. But at the same, the more, the more I count budget and I do better, I can do bigger events, not bigger, like more butts and seats, more impacting events that get more students saved, more students healthy. So I have to be business. I have to be both, if that makes sense. So 
questions anymore? That was a great question. Cool. The program that I went through was the best discipling what it was. I'll tell you what it was. You ready? On version, there's a Bible reading plan called Professor Horner's Bible Reading. It's 10 chapters a day. You're going to read through the, the Old Testament twice, the New Testament three times, Psalms four times, Job three. It's, it's nuts. But you then journal. You have a reflection journal. This is what happened today, blah, blah, blah. But then you take two words that you got from the, from the Bible reading, and then you talk about how the Bible talked about you. You read that, or you write that, and then you write a prayer. So then, so I would do that every day. Boom, boom, boom. Then I would submit that to Steve Cole. Steve Cole would then take that and highlight line by line and go, that's not even biblical. And I would go like, how, I've gone to church my whole life. How do you know this is not biblical? And he was like, he goes, this is a lie. So you have a truth, but then the next sentence is a lie. And then I saw how the enemy weaved lies into my theology and he pretty much had to like get my theology on the table and he just every bro my first journal had like 600 lies like mistakes like that's not even biblical and I'm like you're not biblical you know like I was so mad but but the truth sets you free but if you don't know truth, you won't know a lie. And so someone had to take the time to sit with me to go, that's a lie, that's a truth, that's a lie, that's a truth, that's a lie. And now I can do it on the fly. I, when I have a thought, I can go, oh, that's a lie. But that, that enables me now to stay healthy. That was the process. And it was, it was for me, it was two and a half hours a day. For him, it was, you know, two and a half hour meeting with me, but then another two hours reading. It's a heavy discipleship thing, but it is by far the most beneficial thing that I've ever done. So getting students to journal and reading their journal, because we've all sat in those meetings where they just talk, but nothing happens, right? So now I just have them, hey, submit your prayer journal, and then they're going to be like, I'm praying that my mom gets better groceries. I'm like, I ain't going to pass you on that. That's dumb. Like, I ain't like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not even an issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I get to see in their system, they do all the talking in their journaling. I do all the counseling and the reflection. And discipleship and the reflection, that's one aspect. If I can do that, but also get them, because discipleship isn't just put them in a classroom. That's how I was raised. Put them in a classroom, they're a disciple. It's educational. It's experiential. So stuff like this, going and experiencing something, and then it's encountering your city. you got to be out with people, out with the lost. So if you want to be discipleship, you have to have all three branches, okay? So that's it. Anything else? You guys are amazing. Cool. Can I pray for you guys? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for one conference. I thank you that you've provided a space for youth pastors just to come and just have these real, these real moments, these real conversations, uh, and get healthy. Lord, if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, God, that they know it's time to, to have the hard conversation, I just pray, God, that you would meet them in that moment. God, it would be it would be Jesus drawing, it would be you drawing them to you and saying, look, I got you. I can, I can heal this. I can, I can set you free from this. There's hope and healing and grace on the other side. And so, Father, I, I, I pray, and I just, I, I, I want to say this, but God, there is, it is Bible, it's biblical, that after seasons of repentance come seasons of refreshing. 
So God, if we are wanting to experience refreshing, maybe there's something we want to repent from. And God, I just pray in this space, at this conference, this conference would be known as a place where youth pastors can just be themselves, can be free, can be normal people, can just be good people. Father, I, I love you, and I love what you're doing in this generation, in this church. I love what you're doing in these youth pastors and their churches, and God, I pray that their impact and their influence would begin to compound over the next couple years. It would just grow. It would amplify. Students that they never thought would show up are going to show up. Schools they never thought they'd be in, they'd be in. Conversations with influential people in the city that they never thought they'd have, they're going to have because, God, you've positioned them right where they need to be. Father, I'm so thankful for who you are. God, I'm thankful for these youth pastors. Strengthen them. God, I pray that this weekend they'd walk away with hundreds of ideas ready to implement and run into youth ministry full speed. Father, I'm so thankful for their heart for students. God, be with them as they're giving rides to those annoying students who never stop talking the whole ride home. Like those, those students that are just, they're an extra pain. God, I pray that you would just meet them there and go, that's my boy. That's my girl. You're taking care of them. God, meet us in those moments. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are the cornerstone of our youth ministry, but God, our leadership, our character, and our spirit, God, is, is what enables people to move through it. So God, move through us. Search us. Search our hearts. Anything that needs to be realigned or readjusted, God, we just submit to you and we give it to you and we get it in the light. God, thank you. You are a healer and a redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much.